Hi, welcome into the Dads in Time Out podcast. This is your host, Jesse Williams, a.k.a. J. Will, a.k.a. Jesse James the Outlaw, which is the name that I went by on a former station that I was on. And today we're going to do the first of a series of pods because I have been off the podcast since May the 15th due to work situations and family situations and and nothing major with the family just you know raising a six month old and so not being able to put the amount of time in that I would like to give y'all with these pods I would like to give y'all a pod every day if I could but I think that that would water things down I initially wanted to do an NBA pod uh, previewing all of the eight series that we're gonna go on in the NBA but now we're all wrapped okay we're not all wrapped up we're all at least two to three games in in every series um and so yeah so after tonight I think that we'll have all the game threes done and so in the spirit of being honest I would like to go ahead and tell you guys my predictions that I would have made before the series started with all honesty being displayed with everything being everything what I thought each series would be that and the other but there is a bigger issue that needs to be discussed on the pod that I think should be addressed and I have addressed this as almost the theme of my podcast about fans and there's a great episode on Spotify if you scroll down it should be called Fan Rants in Cuba where I basically talk about what fans should be and should not be allowed to do. I would like to shout out the 330 Sports Show. I'm going to go ahead and that's at 330 Sports Show on Twitter. You can find them on Spotify, Apple, all those podcasts. They're from Youngstown, Ohio. Big Ohio State fans, big Cleveland Browns fans. Um, Just a great, great show. And A lot of the major outlets have talked about this. So I kind of wanted to address the throwing the popcorn at Russell Westbrook and then people having Ron Artest, a.k.a. Meta World Peace. I know he's got a new version of that name, but we'll just call him Meta. A guy that I think that was scrutinized for a long time still ended up having a great career. So if you remember the Malice in the Palace, I actually was in El Dorado with my friend Jennifer Phillips at the time. And, and, and we're still friends. She just, I think it's Jennifer Herrera now. Shout out to you, my homegirl. And we were sitting there watching this on CNN. And of course, all you see is the angry black guys in the NBA running up into the stands, hitting people, right? And so you have to look in the bigger context of what happened. So in that game, it was the Indiana Pacers at the Detroit Pistons. And what you have to remember, too, about the in, in Detroit or in Auburn Hills, right? Because that's where their stadium. Their stadium was in Auburn Hills, Michigan, which is outside of Detroit. And so what happened, the precursor to this was that Indiana and Detroit in 2004 had played, I think, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And this year, the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons were vying for supremacy in the Eastern Conference. And so that was the Detroit team with Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, and uh, Rip Hamilton. And then with the Pacers, you had Ron Artest, you had Steven Jackson, 
Jermaine O'Neal, Jalen Rose. Like, I think Jalen Rose was on that team. I'm not sure. Reggie Miller was nearing the end of his career. And the Pacers were stacked that year. And so this game was a game where the Pacers were just giving the work to Detroit. Well, at the end of the game, Ron Artest gets into it. I think he fouls Ben Wallace. He gets ejected. He goes and lays on the score table, which we found out later was something that his therapist said is like, hey, just get into your good place. He lays down on the score table, blah, blah, blah. Someone throws a beer on him. He runs into the stands. Meta World Peace now talks about how he's actually talks to the guy that actually threw the beer. He talks about how he was said to have hit the wrong guy, but he didn't hit the wrong guy. He saw the guy cheering, and so he finds out later from John Green, the guy that throws the beer on him, that that guy had bet John Green that he couldn't hit Ron Artest. And I, and, and I use the names interchangeably because that's what he was going by. And people forget how great of Ron Artest was becoming a great, great, great two-way player. He was already an, a phenomenal lockdown defender, but... People forget he could he could drop 30. And so this team had real NBA championship aspirations. Of course, he got suspended for the rest of the year. Steven Jackson got suspended. And so now it seems like after the pandemic, we have fans back in the stands. And fans have taken it upon themselves to do multiple things, right? So there's the spitting incident where Trey Young doesn't even know he gets spit on. And then he actually brushes it off. You've got the incident where Russell Westbrook gets hurt. And as he's going into the tunnel, they throw popcorn on him. This isn't the first time Russell Westbrook has had incidents with fans. There was an incident in Utah where the guy said some very off-putting things to Russell Westbrook. And then you have the incident in Utah where the fans are saying deplorable things to John Morant's family. And I've already addressed this before, but people are like, what should the NBA do? Well, first off, ban these fans for life. Listen, I don't care if it's just popcorn. You do not get to go to a sporting event and throw things at people. Like, that's just... And here's a problem that I've talked about on the Fan Rants and Cuba pod, and I think that I think I did that one like three years ago. In, in that one... My buddy Ian Hall, he broached this question about should fans be able to say or do, maybe he just said say, should fans be able to say whatever they want to people? And so I'd like to take that a step further. Like just because you pay the admission of tickets, do you get to do and say whatever you want to people without repercussions? Because we've already decided that uh, it's not okay for uh, the NBA players to run up in the stands. And we've decided that that is unacceptable, right? But uh, at Neon underscore Sports Guy is Ian's Twitter. So Ian threw this to me years ago. And I responded and I was like, heck no. I use different language, but we're not cursing on this pod. And so I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that these... And and, and listen, the security at these stadiums or arenas have like got these guys out of there. I don't know about the New York situation, but Ron Artest made a good point. These people should have their pictures put in the paper and on TV and be pointed out. Because if the NBA player, who makes millions of dollars, runs up in the stands and risks his career defending himself, then he's now on TV on all the news stations. And then the fans get that one little second. And listen, 
Russell Westbrook had to be held back by security, and then he ended up calming down and everything was fine. And Ron Artest made the point is like he was happy that security was there for Russell Westbrook. But he shouldn't be in that situation anyways. Listen, I understand that you're going to yell things and you're going to curse and you're going to do all these other things in the context of like Spike Lee and Reggie Miller. So Reggie Miller in a game against the Knicks, I think it was in the playoffs, he did like the little choke sign and grabbed his crotch. And then I, I think they've kind of squashed that. But like, and, and, and Spike Lee was upset because Reggie Miller directed it toward his girlfriend, wife, whoever she was at the time. And Reggie, like, I think Reggie can admit, okay, maybe that crossed the line. But even then, that was Spike Lee talks on the sideline, which is great for the sport, right? And it's all like the banner back and forth between fans, I think, can be fun, can be interesting. Because the thing about the NBA that makes it so great, it's kind of like baseball, like with foul balls. It's like the fans are right there, right? And so the fans sit courtside. You get the celebrities there. You get the fan interaction, you get the autographs, and that's all wonderful. Like, that's all part of the game. But when we start talking about people's mamas and girlfriends and sexual innuendos, and we start making this more than the game, then it's out of control. And we know that fan stands for Fanatic. Once again, shout out to the 330 Sports Show. And, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm piggybacking off them, not copying them, because I really, really like their show. And... I would like to listen to some of the other guys that I shouted out on my last pod to, to get their take on this. But at the end of the day, you cannot have people throwing things at athletes. Because what if one of those pieces of popcorn gets stuck in Russell Westbrook's eye and then he's out for the series or he develops an eye injury or something? Or what if that wasn't popcorn? What if next time that's beer? What if next time that's soda? What if next time he they what if he's not in the tunnel? What if it's on the court? You throw a soda, he slips, he falls, he tears his ACL. Right? Like I don't want people throwing popcorn at me at my job. And you know, I I think that whole golden rule of treat people how you want to be treated, or as the Bible would say, do unto others as you would have them do to you. I think we should all just live by that. But it's disgusting. The comments directed toward John Morant's family, the I'll put the nickel in your back and watch you dance, boy, like that's totally unacceptable. That's obviously racial. Kyrie brought up the whole racial situation in Boston, and Quinn Snyder for the Utah Jazz came out and apologized to John Morant's family. And listen, that's not Quinn Snyder's fault. It's not, yeah, you can say, well, he took the job in a city that he's known as racist. I mean, there's racism in every city, yes. And I know Utah, players have said Utah and Boston have had reoccurring incidents of this. And I really do believe that the Jazz are really trying to clean that up. Um, and so I just think that that's that. I think that we've got to get that under control. Like, it's great to have the fans back. It's it's so much better than that pumped-in stadium noise. The atmosphere is better, and I love playoff basketball. So let's clean that up. Listen, if you can't go to a sporting event and – control yourself stay home because there are plenty of other people who would love those tickets who just want to go watch great competition like when trey young's yelling at the fans in new york i think that's great and i think they should be able to yell back there's just a line there's a line that you should never cross and let's stop making this personal like come on fans you know how i feel about you and i'm a fan too but i'm not at the i'm a grown man with 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 kids right so to me, this is not the end-all, be-all. Yes, my team loses. I might be upset, but you get over it. Like People just need to get over themselves, and that's that. I don't want to give any more light 
to the fans that act this way because I just think that that's ridiculous. All right, so let's go into what I would have predicted from the playoffs. And this was after game one, but what I did was I made predictions that I would have made before the series starts. Because I thought about this long and hard for each round. I made predictions and I did not change them based on the series. And you'll see that. So in the West, I had the Jazz beating the Grizzlies four games to one. The Lakers beating the Suns four games to two. The Clippers beating the Mavs four games to three. And the Blazers beating the Nuggets four games to two. In the East, I had the Sixers beating the Wizards four games to one. The Nets sweeping the Celtics. The Knicks beating the Hawks 4-2. And the Bucks beating the Heat 4-2. In the second round, I had Jazz over Clippers 4-3. Lakers over Blazers 4-1. And then I had the Sixers um, beating the Knicks uh, four games to one. And the Bucks beating the Nets 4-2. In the conference finals, I had the Lakers over the Jazz 4-1. The Bucks over the Sixers 4-3. And the Lakers over the Bucks 4-2. All right, so... Let's go ahead and start going through some of these series, and I'm going to try to give you in-depth analysis, but keep this, because I actually have to go to work in less than an hour, but this jumped into my brain, and I really, really wanted to do this pod. So we'll start with the Lakers and the Suns, just because as a LeBron James basketball fan, this is where, and, and honestly, I'm not just a LeBron James fan. There are a lot of things I like about LeBron off the court. I actually was in my hotel last night watching the shop on some TV station that the hotel had. And it was Jay-Z and Maverick Carter and LeBron. And it was phenomenal. I only caught the end of it. But hearing hearing LeBron and Jay-Z with their great minds just speaking, I thought it was great. I definitely need to watch more episodes of the shop. And so that's that. Um, the Lakers and the Suns, I had the Lakers winning 4-2. This is before Chris Paul got hurt just because I thought – that he's leader guy. I didn't think that Devin Booker was quite ready for the playoffs. It looks like I'm kind of right there. And now with Chris Paul being limited, I feel like the Suns are in trouble because Booker's super talented, but I didn't think that he was ready to make that huge jump in the playoffs. Um, He doesn't shoot the three great consistently. And so I also felt like the Suns would have trouble with AD and AD played terrible in game one the the Suns won that game I think it was like 99 to 90 then the Lakers won 99-92 then I think it was 109-95 so the Lakers have a 2-1 lead um LeBron does not look 100% but LeBron also might I think LeBron knows he's not 100% so LeBron is picking and choosing his spots he felt out the Suns in game one and then when he needed to attack he attacked AD down low, I mean, they're destroying them in the paint. And so I think that's going to be a huge issue for the Suns. And listen, I feel bad for the Suns because if you remember, I did did a pod where I predicted the Suns would win a first-round series. I just didn't think that they would play the Lakers in the first round. I thought Portland would lose. I thought Portland would get the seventh seed and the Lakers would get the sixth seed. I was wrong about that. Um, the Suns got a bad draw. So if Anthony Davis plays like he did in game two and three, this is a five-game series. Um, unless Chris Paul, because there's two games off. Okay, so they play game three, then they had two days off, then they play tonight. Or I know they play Sunday. They play Sunday. And so if Chris Paul can get healthy, this series changes. Though I think the Lakers will win and go up 3-1. I think the Suns will 
maybe win game six if CP3 is anywhere close to 70%. Um, the Suns have a better team than I thought. Uh, I watched Cameron Payne. Cameron Johnson has actually been a decent player out of North Carolina for them. DeAndre Ayton has played way better than I thought he would in this series. But if he's going to give you 20 and 10 and AD is going to give you 32 and 10, it kind of cancels that out. And so Ayton has been stepping up. Booker needs to control his emotions better, but he's young. I get it. Like he, He's an emotional guy, but you can't let your emotions run you. Um, Jay Crowder has some issue with LeBron teams. I think that's back when he played for the Cavs and then got traded. And it was him and Derrick Rose. And I think D. Wade was on that team. And they also had Isaiah Thomas. And then they got rid of all those guys. And then they went on that finals run. And then they got schwacked by the Warriors. And this is going to be the legacy of Chris Paul is he's always getting injured in the playoffs. And so the whole he can't get to the conference finals, I think we have to put that in context. Let's go to the Clippers Mavs. And I was going to sit here and absolutely eviscerate the Clippers. But at this point, why? It's kind of a story that we've seen before. And I'm actually glad I did this pod after game three because after the first two games, the national media crushed the Clippers except for like the two Clippers apologists. Um, even Skip Bayless jumped off the bandwagon. And a lot of the points that people were making about Dallas is, okay, like Luka's averaging like 35, 36 in the series. He went for 31, 39, and 44 last night. But you saw what happens to the Mavericks when <clears throat> um, – when Luka Doncic doesn't get support. And Luka has not been good in fourth quarters. I watched it last night. He missed four free throws in the fourth quarter. He's shooting terrible from the free throw line. And it looks like by the fourth quarter, he doesn't have, like his shot is getting short, right? So I watched two of those free throws he missed in a row. Like he, well, he made, he, he, he missed the front end of free throws twice in a row. Not counting the two he missed after that. They both hit the front of the rim. There's something there with the shoulder or the back or something. You see him grimacing, but it didn't seem to bother him quarters one through three. And so, but on the flip side, like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George could basically not miss last night. The Marcus Morris hit three threes and fouled out. And here's the thing with the Clippers. They did that. They took a game in Dallas that they absolutely had to have. If they go down 3-0, I think they fold like a lawn chair. They fold like a bad uh, dealing of cards, like like a, a bad hand. They would fold like a bad hand. But the Clippers came out, and but here's the thing. They put that game away late, and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George basically, like I said earlier, didn't miss. And so they got contributions from Reggie Jackson. They got contributions from Marcus Morris Sr. But if Dallas – see, and this is where I think Dallas is now in trouble because Dallas – that Dallas should have won that game. And when I say they should have won that game, they were up 20-6 to at one point. And then they let the Clippers back in the game. They gave the Clippers confidence. And so it just now is a series because the Clippers – but but the, here's my question. Just like I was didn't think that the Mavs bench could play as well as they played in L.A., are, are, are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George going to shoot 70% from the field every game? Because if they do, the series is over. But at one point, like between the two of them, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George had missed two shots, and they were up by one. 
So that's disheartening because they, they have no answer for Luka unless Luka's not healthy. We have seen that. He can pretty much get to a spot. Now, the Clippers played much better defense in the fourth quarter last night. So this is an interesting series. I still... So I predicted the Clippers were going to win just because I didn't want to be biased. I wanted the Mavericks to win. They're my second NBA team. Well, it, my favorite teams are the Cavaliers, whatever team LeBron is on, the Dallas Mavericks. I've always liked Dallas. I've been to a playoff game there. I almost possibly, maybe almost got hit by Mark Cuban in the parking lot of the American Airlines Center or Arena, whichever one it's called. I can never remember. And so anyways... I think this series is going to be longer than some people predicted Dallas was going to sweep. I just, if you've, if you've kept up with Dallas, which I have with Dallas this year and their Twitter fans, and I've, so, so I kind of feel their frustrations is that Tim Hardaway Jr. can be really consistent and then really, really inconsistent. They cannot guard Kawhi Leonard. I don't know why Kawhi Leonard isn't averaging 45 in this series because he can get any shot he wants. And so, to me, it comes down to Paul George and the rest of the guys. And Rondo has to be Rondo from last year, I think. But even if they win this series and they play Utah, I think they're in big trouble because Utah's going to spread them out and Utah can play defense. But that's another story for another day. The Utah Jazz, speaking of the Jazz, is another situation to where they remind me, in a way, of the Bucks the last couple years and then of the Hawks in 2015 where they had this great regular season and then nobody is talking about them <clears throat> nobody acts like they can win this series or not even this series nobody thinks they can make any noise and I think that's dangerous because they have Donovan Mitchell who we saw in the first round of the playoffs and you have that whole Donovan Mitchell not playing in game one and the training staff waited till like right before the game like everybody thought he was going to play coaches and players included and then Donovan's mad but then Donovan comes out in game two scores 25 and the Jazz win so I think the Jazz are going to beat the Grizzlies I think that instead of 4-1 I think it'll be 4-2 because John Morant looks like he's absolutely built for the playoffs right John Morant has been super impressive their bench and role players <clears throat> Xavier Tillman uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't really been great, but uh, Dylan Brooks has been good out of Oregon. I've always liked him. The Bain guy's been good, and then Grayson Allen could give you three or four threes in a game. Um, this goes back to when they played Golden State in that elimination game in the play-in tournament, right? So I think that people can say that the Jazz are being disrespected, but the Jazz are getting the same treatment as every other team that has not proven themselves in the playoffs. It's like, listen, you had a great regular season. You have a defensive player of the year, probably. I don't know if it's been given out, but in Rudy Gobert. You have Donovan Mitchell, who's on the verge of becoming a superstar, but he's really just a star right now. And that's not a shot at Donovan Mitchell, but it's we have to see this multiple times, right? It's like the Jason Tatum thing when we get to the East. It's like we have to see this consistently to put you as a superstar. And so Quinn Snyder has done a great job. We've already talked about the issues with the fans and the racism and all that. And so I think that this is a lot of people aren't interested in this series, but if you watch it, it's actually a very it's it's a very good series if you like good basketball, right? Um, I'm not sure about the Taylor Jenkins dude as coach. I watched that Golden State game and I thought he almost uncoached them out of that, which I know that's not a word, but I felt like there were times that he should have challenged and he didn't, and they ended up winning the game because Ja Morant took over and won that game and so I think this is 
And, and the thing about Utah is, are their shooters going to shoot consistently? Like, are Clarkson and Ingles going to be good enough support players? Which I think they are, but are they going to be good enough in a, in a series against superstars, right? So, if they beat Memphis, which I think they will, and Memphis will make it very tough on them, do they have enough against, let's say they, let's say they do play uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? And if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are at the top of their game, are the clip are, are the Jazz going to be able to have enough offensive balance to beat them? That remains to be seen. Blazers Nuggets. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, the Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray. They don't have Will Barton. They don't have PJ Dozier. Uh, Jamal Murray's out for the season. Other two guys. I don't know when they're back. So basically, it's Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. Um, the Capanzo guy who plays really, really tough basketball. I really like him. Um, I'm, I would look up his name, but if you watch the NBA, you know who I'm talking about. And then Austin Rivers came to the rescue in game three. The Blazers can't guard anybody. Like, Dame doesn't guard anybody. CJ doesn't guard anybody. Ennis Kanter doesn't guard anybody. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic doesn't seem to be able to stop big guys. Carmelo doesn't guard anybody. Uh, maybe Norman Powell does. And so the Blazers, I mean, they have two guys that can beat you together in CJ and Dame. They have Melo. And I really like this Portland team, but I feel like with the series shift in the Portland, they should be up 2-1, but now they're down 2-1. And Colin Coward said it best, like, this team is peaked. Like, it's a fun team. It's a successful team. But like he said, the Suns, the Mavs, the Jazz have all passed them. The Nuggets are past them. The Lakers are past them. I don't care what the records say this year. We know the Lakers were the seven seed because they were hurt. Um, all these teams have passed Portland by from a couple years ago, and they went to the Western Conference Finals. And I know last year they were decimated by injuries, and they had injuries this year. But at some point, you have to build a roster around Dame because Dame's a small guard who does so much offensively that you're not going to expect him to be a lockdown defender, too. So you have to put guys that can guard. Instead, they were like, hey, and listen, I love the fact that Melo is in the league, but he doesn't guard anybody. Like, Ennis Kanter is, like, statistically one of the worst defensive players of all time. I think the Nuggets will win this series because they don't have an answer for Jokic. And... He's been adjusting his game like, okay, they didn't want to make him a playmaker. Then they tried to double him, in, and he became a playmaker. And he just – he's the MVP for a reason. I don't – I think Joel Embiid would have been the MVP if he'd have stayed healthy. I, I think he would have beat out LeBron. And so this is a series – it's a West Coast, a lot of late games, but it's a series I love to watch. I love, love, love Mike Malone. Like, that dude is an NBA coach in and out. I don't care what happens with the Nuggets because if he ever gets fired from there, like, give this dude a job. He's a great sound piece. He really seems to make adjustments. He obviously cares about his players. He loves gritty basketball. I love Mike Malone. Terry Schatz, I, I don't really know what to do with him because the Blazers are consistently decent, but they don't seem to ever make great improvements. And But what is he going to do with guys who can't play defense? It's not like, it's like, oh, I can't get these guys to play defense. It's like, no, you literally have dudes on your team who cannot play defense. So I think the Nuggets will end up winning that series. Um, the Jazz Grizzlies, I think the Jazz will win. The Clippers Mavericks, I think the... I have no idea. I'm not even going to speculate on that series. Um, so that was the Western Conference. We'll dive into the East real quick. Heat Bucks. I definitely thought that the Bucks were going to win this series. I thought it would be revenge. I didn't see this. I didn't see. But but I'm not surprised, and I'll tell you why. Because 
The Bucks got demoralized in the bubble last year. And what did they do? They went and got Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker. They went and got guys that are more consistent than Eric Bledsoe, and then they got a tough guy in P.J. Tucker. And now they're able to win games by big margins over the Heat where Giannis isn't scoring 36 points. They're like, okay, cool. Do what you do with Giannis, but we're going to blitz you with three-pointers. Bryn Forbes, who they got from San Antonio, has been great. Now here's the problem for them going forward. Dante DiVincenzo is now out for the playoffs. And, then, and you're like, he only averages 10, but he's a starter, and that's another shooter and another tough guy. Like, And what I mean by tough guy is just, like, he's tough. Like, he seen, like he's just made of grit. Like, I really liked him at Villanova. He's always just – he fits that culture. That's why they went and got Bobby Portis. Now, I still think they're going to – the Heat, I've been talking about this. If you go back and listen to former pods about the inconsistencies of the Miami Heat, I have been saying this all year – talking about them with the Boston Celtics. And Bam Adebayo is not your number one. Jimmy Butler, for some reason, has not taken over any part of the series. I think he tried in the last game. And then you hitched your wagon to Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who are one-trick ponies. And so they are. They both have been bad in this series. I, know, I think Duncan Robinson had like one decent game, but... They're going to have to do something with this roster. I know there's a lot of rumors that if the Clippers fall apart, they can get Kawhi Leonard, which if if you think Kawhi Leonard fits Heat culture because his whole little um, I only play certain number of games, like that ain't flying with Pat Riley. Like if you're, if you're not injured, you're playing, right? And so this series is over. There's no way Miami comes back. They have no answer for the Bucks in this series. And this is why I think that the Bucks in the next round are going to give the Nets problems. All right. Uh, and, and I don't understand why they didn't trade either one of those guys for uh, Kyle Lowry. Like, sorry, I was looking down at my notes. Um, but Drew Holiday was a great addition for the Bucks. I don't understand why you hitched your wagon to Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I just think that... Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson have peaked. Like I, I don't think that there's anything else they can do to really. Duncan Robinson is 27 years old. Like people forget that. Like great story, but there's a reason that he's 27 and, and now peaking in the last couple years. It's like okay, like if he doesn't light you up from three, what else does he give you? Trevor Ariza is washed. I mean, and I don't mean that. And when I say washed, I'm not like negatively talking about these guys. These guys are NBA players. They're 400 of the best players in the world. But Trevor Ariza is, was never a dynamic offensive player. And I just say, I'll use the term past his prime, okay? Because I don't want to, I'm not trying to disrespect Trevor Ariza. I'm not trying to disrespect Andre Iguodala. Those guys have had great careers. But in the playoffs, you're relying on these guys to play heavy minutes, and they're just not it, right? Like, you need actual 40-minute NBA players. I'm not saying that they can't be on the team. I'm saying that I don't think they got Iguodala with the intention that he was going to play as many minutes as I think that they need him to play at this stage in his career. So that I think that's a sweep. I thought the Nets and Celtics would be a sweep, but then the Nets were like, hey, we're just going to let Jason Tatum score 50, and we're going to let Marcus Smart go off for 23. Like, it was ridiculous. Um, and I know Kyrie Irving had a bad game. Um and so, like, and I actually am not surprised by that because I was like, one of two things were going to happen. He was either going to cook Boston because this is the first time he's been in the garden in front of fans since he left. You know, he's like, if y'all have me, I'll stay. And then he basically tore that team apart. 
and say what you want, but that actually happened. And so Kevin Durant and uh, James Harden absolutely went off last night. Let me just read you this box score to accentuate this point. And the internet here sucks, so it's going to buffer for a little while. But Kevin Durant and James Harden combined for like 70-something points, if I'm not mistaken. Like James Harden had over 40, and I'm really starting to get irritated with this internet because it's giving me the little circle of death, so now I can't pull up the box score to tell you, um, okay, so... Maybe in another few minutes we'll have it. But anyways, Boston won 125-119 last night. I still think the Nets are going to gentlemen sweep them at this point. But this is what I worry with about the Brooklyn Nets is they had two of their guys go off. Like Kevin Durant had like 38 or 35 or something like that. I hate the internet so much sometimes because why can't I just get to the box score? Anyways, I guess we're off that because the internet wants to be stupid. But in a game where Kevin Durant lit up the Boston Celtics and in a game where James Harden lit up the Boston Celtics, here's the problem. Everyone's like, Joe Harris. And I I said the same thing. If Joe Harris shoots 46% from three, no one's going to beat them. But Joe Harris took eight shots last night. And then nobody else on the team got like more than four or five. And so they... They relied heavily on Kevin Durant, who was great, and James Harden, who was great. So that's good enough to wax the Boston Celtics. I don't even need to talk about the Celtics anymore. I've said enough on this podcast about them to last a lifetime. And so I think we already know what they are. And so what what the problem is is that the Nets are going to win this series, but then they're going to go against the Bucks and they're going to go against the Sixers and probably the Lakers in the finals. Where Let's say they go against the Clippers, right? And it like – you can't lose to the Boston Celtics with those two guys going off the way that they did and expect that that's going to um, work in the playoffs. And so I just feel like that is a sign of bad things to come for them later in the playoffs. And I think that's going to come back to haunt them. And so Tatum, I said in my notes, Tatum's their only hope. Uh, and the Nets' lack of playing together doesn't seem to matter as much except for what happens when they get down in a series and you have the three guys that I've talked about before who run from things, right? So Kevin Durant like left Oklahoma City because he blew a 3-1 lead and he joined the team that he had a 3-1 lead against and then he leaves Golden State because him and Draymond get into it or he's just not satisfied because he thought if he won championships that people would love him. But it's like, bro, you joined a 73-win team and of course you're supposed to win the finals. Like, yeah, you beat LeBron twice, but the second time you beat LeBron with basically a not good Kevin Love, a ragtag group of players in that context, and no Kyrie Irving. So yeah, you're great, but there, there's a but when it comes to that, right? So we all understand that. So enough on that series because I think it's over. Philadelphia and Washington, I predicted that would be a four to one just because I thought that the Wizards might get a game, but I don't think the Wizards are going to get a game, especially if Russ had to leave the game because of an ankle. Um, that team, you just got to figure out if you're going to build long term, like with Russ and Beal, or because that team seems to be a bottom of the Eastern Conference, like maybe a six seed at best. And so. It just becomes one of those things where we could talk about Philadelphia and Joella and Bede, which I think they're going to beat whoever comes out of the Knicks and the Hawks. Um, but I don't think that 
this is a series that I don't want to spend a lot of time on because Philadelphia is who they are, right? So they have Danny Green, they have Dwight Howard, they have championship experience, they have Doc Rivers. As long as Joel Embiid's healthy, Ben Simmons just went and got a bunch of points in the paint, but they're going to take that away. And so this series, like Washington has nice players. Like I, I'm an Argus Razorbacks fan. Daniel Gafford's been playing very well, but the Wizards have no chance to beat them. Uh, and I just think that this is not a good eye test to tell you anything about Philadelphia going forward. I don't know about Washington's future. I'm going to do a whole other podcast on what I think these NBA teams that didn't make the playoffs or the teams that lost in the play-in tournament and then all the teams that didn't make the playoffs. We can discuss what they should or shouldn't do. And maybe as that goes along, the teams that get eliminated will add them. Like once all these teams lose in the first round, what should they do next, right? Okay, so the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks, I think, is going to be a very interesting series. I picked the Knicks to win 4-2. to two. I think I'm wrong on that. I actually think that the Hawks are going to win just because I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have cable, so I have not watched the Hawks play almost at all. I know enough about their roster, but the their Bogdanovich dude, which I think is Bogdan, because there's Bojan and Bogdan. There's the one that plays... For Utah, and there's the one that plays for Atlanta. And the one that plays for Atlanta is really good, and the one that plays for Utah is very good. So I'll just use them interchangeably because I know who they play for. Uh, I just can never remember. It's like the Bridges. Like, I finally learned, I finally got it in my head that Michael plays for the Suns and that Miles plays for the Hornets. Got that settled after months of doing this podcast, right? Um, so the Knicks. Derrick Rose has been great in the playoffs, but this is the problem with the Knicks. I thought they'd win this series, but I, then I thought they would struggle in the second round and get waxed by the 76ers. And I think if the Hawks win, they'll get waxed by the 76ers because I don't think Clint Capella can do anything with Joel Embiid. But here's the problem. Julius Randle has been awful in the playoffs, and Atlanta's done a good job on him. And I'm not taking a shot at Julius Randle. I'm just saying that... Most improved player, but he's never been in this spot as the number one where in a playoff series, I've talked about this before, that the defensive game plans become focused and everybody can focus in on what you do best, right? Um, New York's been a good story. The Garden has been electric, and I think that's great for the NBA. I think that's great for the Knicks, and they have building blocks, right? So now you have... Julius Randle and Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, I know that Tom Thibodeau loves him, but if you want to be a serious playoff contender, they have to go get free agents, right? Because they're not going to get a great draft pick. They have to get a real superstar. Because Julius Randle, I think, is about to hit his ceiling. And I think he's a really, really good player. I just don't think that he's the carrier franchise guy. Now, he can be your number two. Like, if you get like a dynamic guard, and that's whether or not you believe R.J. Barrett can be that guy, but I don't I don't know really what they do. Like, do they go try to get a Kawhi Leonard? And and so I'm, we're not going to just base this whole podcast on what I think teams should do. But I think the Hawks are going to win. I don't think they have a great answer for Trey Young. I think that Hunter and Collins and Hooter and the rest of those guys for the Hawks are just going to do and, and Bogdanovich are just going to be a little too much for the Knicks. Now, if the Knicks win tonight in Atlanta going back to New York, that changes everything. So I guess my point is I would not be surprised either way this series goes. But I do not think either one of these teams are going to beat the 76ers. And so I think that we'll have the Clippers. I'm sorry. So in the Western Conference in the second round, 
I still think it'll be Utah and the Clippers. I just think that Dallas will find a way to lose this series. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Mavs win. And then I think it'll be the Lakers and the Nuggets in the second round. So I was wrong on the Blazers. And I still think the I still have Lakers Bucks in the NBA Finals. That's just my predictions for that. So that's kind of a little overview of all the series. And I wish that I was doing better on this podcast. I probably should have waited to drop it because now I'm ranting and rambling and all that. But I wanted to give you a little snapshot of what I'm seeing in each series because I've seen a little bit of every series. So I saw Lakers, Suns, Clips, Mavs, Jazz, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Blazers, I saw a little bit of Hawks, Knicks, not a whole lot. I haven't seen any of the Philadelphia series, or I, I think I saw a little bit of Brooklyn and Boston, but they were blowing them out, so I didn't like watch too much. So I'm getting to see a little bit more of these games, but I think it's great. The playoffs are back. The fans are back. Let's, let's just act like we're supposed to, and, and let's just be consistent with how we act, and let's be consistent about these teams, right? So let's be consistent about the Clippers. Like, no matter what, if they beat Dallas, their problems don't go away. They still have that lack of leadership. The NBA, I think, is wide open. I think that if the Clippers get right, I think they have the least of the contenders. But I think Philadelphia, I think the Nets, I think that Milwaukee and the Lakers can win the championship. And I think if the Clippers figure out their mental fourth quarter, because they were great in the fourth quarter last night. And But here's the problem that I wanted to get back to with the emotional stuff that I was talking about with the Suns, is that they have some guys on the Clippers that just do not seem to be emotionally stable. Like Rondo, and I don't mean like, like in life, I just mean basketball-wise, right? Like when things go bad, they lose their minds. Reggie Jackson, I think should have got a tech in a certain situation Terrence Mann and I know that him and uh Willie Colley Stein kind of so they got into it where Colley Stein got a a tech which should have been a flagrant one and he should have got ejected maybe like he pushed off and it looks like he made contact with the face but it looks like he was just trying to push him to get him off of him and they kind of squashed it afterwards because I think Colley Stein's a real good guy and I don't know enough about Terrence Mann but Terrence Mann seemed to be like all right cool like like, man, just stop hitting me in the face. And I don't think there was any ill will when it came to that situation. But the Clippers, Marcus Morris is a ticking time bomb, just like his brother. And while that's good to have edge, like he got a tech that could have let the mass back in the game. And I get it. Reggie, uh, not Reggie, uh, Richard Jefferson was one of the commentators in the game last night. He's like, listen, guys, scream stuff from the corner, but you have to understand the situation. You have to understand that you're down 2-0. You just hit another big three. You have to, in your mind, be like, okay, like I have to block all that out and make sure that I don't do anything to cost this team. We have no room for error. Like The Clippers have to win game four. If they go down 3-1, we, we know how that ends. And listen, like I think they've just gotten to the point, like for three quarters, like we, we just can't do anything with Luca. Fine, he hit, he scored forty four, and, and the Clippers won. And so they're the one team that I don't really know what to do with. And them being the Clippers is that I think that the Lakers, Sixers, Bucks, Nets are all legit title contenders. And here's the thing: if the Bucks lose to the Nets, like you don't do anything. You just like okay, we. If we would have got the two seed, we would have got to see them in the conference finals, and they just put together a freaking monster of a team. So it's not an indictment on the Bucks if they lose to the Nets. Now, 
if the Sixers and the Bucks end up in the Eastern Conference Finals, then I think the Bucks have no excuse. Because you're going to look at two different teams that are like, okay, we should. it's about that time with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and with Giannis that they should be getting to the NBA Finals. If either one of them play the Nets, I think there's a pass. But if they play each other, whoever loses that series, there's going to be questions. There's going to be like, oh, well, do and, and it's unfair because I think that that would be a great series. Like, it's if, the, if the Nets lose, they have the whole, we didn't play together all year, we tweak this roster a little bit Steve Nash has another has a full year of experience he's got D'Antoni there we figure some things out defensively they're fine now they're going to get crushed because of the super team but in their minds they don't have to do anything they're like okay let's run it back next year if the Sixers and the Bucks play and the Sixers lose let's say four to one they're really going to look at that team and been like okay like do we need to get rid of Ben Simmons because obviously he's never going to shoot the basketball with the Bucks, you're like, okay, Giannis is re-signed. Like, then they start looking at, do you get rid of Budenholzer? Because in my opinion, and my phone just went off because I just refuse to put this on vibrate during the podcast. Here's my point: if the Bucks lose to the Sixers, not the Nets, but if they lose to the Sixers, I believe that Mike Budenholzer gets fired. Fair or not? Because that is a team that they are built to beat the 76ers. And they're built to hang with the Brooklyn Nets. If the Sixers lose to the Bucks, not the Nets, but if they lose to the Bucks, then even though the Bucks are a great team, you're not going to get rid of Doc Rivers. But I think you start to be like, okay, maybe we see what we can get for Ben Simmons. I know he's a dynamic defender. He has basketball IQ and court vision. But in today's game, you need guys that can shoot. And I just think that's going to be the issue. So it's going to be a great NBA playoffs. It already has been. I'm shocked that the Nets lost last night. I'm going to once again try to see if I can pull up that box score from last night. But, oh, there it goes. Of course, I didn't need it now. And the internet, I'm just going to rail against the internet. But I just I want you to get the full picture of what I was trying to say with Kevin Durant and James Harden. Um, okay, so Kevin Durant shot 13 of 24, had 39 and 9. James Harden had 41, 10, and 7, and they lost by six. And Boston was winning that game like from pretty much the end of the third, end of the first quarter on. Boston led that game. Like I didn't see maybe one lead change, two lead changes, but at a certain point, Boston went up by six, seven, and they stayed up by six, seven. They'd go up by ten, it would drop, but. Okay, so this is what I was going to say. Blake Griffin shot one for five. Joe Harris shot three for nine. Kyrie Irving, six for 17. So you could be like, oh, well, that's a wash, but okay, we'll get to that. Nick Claxton shot two for five. Brown, 0 for two. Tyler Johnson, two for three. Landry Schmidt, 0 for one. So my point is, is everyone was like, oh, the role players are playing great. Well, yeah, because the three guys, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving didn't play together but eight times, so they were getting more shots. Now that all three of them are playing, like, where are the other shots going to come from? Like, are those three guys literally going to carry them to the NBA championship is the question. Are they literally going to be relied to score all the points, get all the rebounds and all the assists because Nick Klassen had five rebounds and Blake Griffin had five rebounds. And then Joe Harris had three assists. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Nobody else passed the ball. So like James Harden had 10 assists and then nobody else had more than two. In fact, one, two, 
three, four other players had assists. Durant had one, Griffin had one, Irving had two, and Brown had two. So that's going to be the problem for the Nets. Is like now, now if those three guys combine for because like what's thirty nine plus forty one? That's eighty points between two guys. Ninety six between their big three. They only had one hundred and nineteen points. You cannot win a championship that way. Now, if they do that and Joe Harris has 15, we have a totally different discussion because Joe Harris had eight points in 35 minutes and two for seven from three. Two out of seven is not 45%. So this is going to be a phenomenal NBA playoffs, guys. It's going to be so great. It's going to be... I have... I'm so glad that we're not in a bubble. I'm so glad that we're in the arenas. I'm so glad that there's no more built-in excuses outside of injuries. That people will be like, oh, we're in the bubble. The, Lake- the Lakers deserve an asterisk. Everybody was in the bubble. Everybody. The Lakers didn't get special treatment. In fact, they were the number one seed last year and lost home court advantage because of the bubble, right? So that's kind of just my thoughts in the playoffs. I'm sure something will pop up because I'm in the mood to do pods. But this has been the Dads and Timeout Sports Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Williams, a.k.a. J. Will, a.k.a. Jesse James, the outlaw. And until next time, signing off.